Hey, I'm Jim Woods, and welcome to the Finish Your Book Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by StoryCrafting.net. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me with Mike Vardy. He is an author and he has written a novel. You've written uh, several productivity books, most recently The Productivity is Playbook. And you've also co-written a screenplay. You've done a lot of sketches. Thanks so much for being with me, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the writing habits, how to you know build a writing routine, because I think that is so important and foundational to actually finishing your book. So Mike, I'll let you just dive in. I know you can really give us a ton of wisdom and insight here on this. How do you build a writing habit? So for me, uh, the biggest thing that I've seen over the years for me is I've evolved it mainly based on my job, based on what's going on with, with my life. I've got two kids, you know, my wife works. So over the course of, you know, my, my time, running productivityist and, and soon to be time crafting is I've had some ebbs and flows. But the one thing that's been constant is I'm always better writing later in the day. So I'm probably one of the few people out there that doesn't get up first thing in the morning and write. So I get the low hanging fruit stuff out of the way. So um, I do what I call uh, theming my time. It's part of the methodology I teach called time crafting. So I have daily themes, but more importantly, when it comes to writing, I have what I call horizontal themes, which are basically strips of time that go uh, you know, across all seven days of the week for me. They don't have to do it all seven days, but because I'm self-employed and, and I have more flexibility during the week, I can do this, is I have three different strips of time. The morning I have what I call maintaining mode, and that's from basically 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. my time. It can vary. Sometimes it's 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., depending on what time of year it is. And I'll tell you that in the summer, it's normally earlier, and in the winter, normally it's later just because the sun's out and all that stuff. Uh, so that's an hour just to do things like email, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff. The stuff that, that you know, you want to get out of the way. And, and funnily enough, because if you're, if, as a, if you're a night owl like me, you want to get that stuff out of the way because – I can't fully concentrate at that point in time during the day. I can't get into the deep creative work. Whereas morning people tend to do the opposite. They'll do all the heavy lifting in the morning and then do the lighter lifting later. doesn't work for me. Never has. Probably because of my comedy background. Probably because I did a lot of my stuff late at night. So that's kind of why that happens. Uh, then I have a later strip in the day, early afternoon, like between 2 and 4 p.m., where I call it making mode. And that's all seven days. So two hours. So we're talking 14 hours a week where I focus on making stuff. And that's where a lot of my writing happens. Um, and again, by having that broader stroke in there of making, because I like to have that flexibility, it's blog posts, maybe. Maybe it's a newsletter. Or, you know, right now I'm working on my, uh, actually, now that you're watching this, the book will be done. But as we're recording this, I'm working on my book during that time. So, you know, two hours uh, of just writing not editing, making. I'm just making at this point. And I think that's the big key too, right? Is that you want to be, um, where's that old, that Hemingway saying, uh, write drunk, edit sober kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That that to me is kind of like my, my free time where I can just make stuff. So you need to find that chunk of time, whether it's between two and four or whatever. That's kind of when I do a lot of my, my core making. And then later in the day, because I'm a night owl, between 10 p.m. And, and midnight, 
is when I have what I call musing time. So that's when a lot of the thinking will happen. It's when a lot of the, uh, you know, um, some of the great ideas will come to mind. I may even do a little bit of writing during that time because, you know, and the reason that for me, that's like kind of like my morning where no interruptions happen between 10 and midnight. Nobody's bugging me. And, and sometimes it'll stretch to one in the morning. But by by and large, again, it's another two to three hour block there. So on average, I would say I'm writing about two to three hours a day of various things, because, again, running, I mean, I have to maintain the blog. I have to keep my newsletters active. But, but the book um, for me, especially with nonfiction, um, my the dangerous part for me is I like to write. And I think this is dangerous for anybody um, who's a blogger is you, you're working on a book. And you write something, you're like, oh, I want to get it out right away. I want to put it on the blog because you get that instant gratification. Sure. It's very important to classify what this is going to be for. So is this for the blog? Is this for the newsletter? Is this for is this for social media? Like, you know, I know some people drip out their writing if they're writing, say, a fiction book. And I think this is a great idea. Like they'll put it on Facebook. Like they'll put like little, you know, as as it goes. Um, I think you have to be very intentional. And that's what I talk about with my with my work in general. You, 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 what is your intention? How are you going to pay attention to that? So that's kind of how I do it. And then at the end of the night, I write my journal as well. So that's the last thing I do. And that's when you'll see, you know, whether it's my 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 day one journal, which is a tech, you know, where I talk about the day itself, or I write my handwritten journals now, which is as of this recording, a fairly new practice for me, where I actually just handwrite, you know, thoughts and things like that. Like a great like a great example would be. Um, I read, uh, I'll give you two. One is I read the richest man in Babylon recently, which is a financial book. And I thought, what if you could do that with your to-do list? What if you took your to-do list and applied it, the principles of the richest man in Babylon to your to-do list? Another example would be, I saw the Avengers infinity war, which by the way, if you haven't seen by now, um, you should have seen by now. So spoiler, it's going to be a spoiler. Uh, the idea, the idea that that you know, what if you 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 approached your to do list like Thanos, right? You know, which is a pop culture reference, but I tend to look at everything through that lens, and I think writers do that, whether they're writing fiction or nonfiction. You look at everything through that lens, and it's important to get that stuff out of you so that when you're ready to structure it in some kind of written format, you could do that. So that's why that fits into that musing time. And that's kind of, you know, that's that's the, the construct, the framework that I have in terms of my my workflow as to when and how, you know, when and where and all that stuff that I write. Uh, the tools, um, they can vary, right? Like, you know, so again, I think that it's important to know what tools you want to use. And I'm very, it's very weird. Um, I'm very specific about, like, if I'm writing a book, I'll use one tool, whereas if I'm writing a blog post, I'll tend to use another one. Just because that that also creates that clear separation for some people that might be a bit much. Yeah, that might be a bit much. You might say, well, why wouldn't you just use, you know, Google Docs for everything? And and I think Google Docs is good for share if you're going to collaborate with somebody or something like that or you want to share it publicly. But for me, uh, you know, I think that certain like for blog posts and newsletters where I'm going to pass them off. And, and, you know, I mean, you worked with me on this. I mean, that would make it easier for you to look at it and go over it. But if it's going to be a book, I may not do that. I may write it in a tool like Scrivener or Ulysses or something like that. But I'm tending, but I'm tending to like I'm very deliberate about okay, this is going to be a book, so it's going in this tool. This is going to be a blog post or, or something that's going to go online, so it's going to be this. So, you know, the 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 how and the and the and the where 
you know, is kind of determined by the type of writing that I'll do. Right. That makes sense. That's fantastic. And having that silo approach of, okay, this writing fits in this specific framework. It takes like, you're not going to open up word and have this instinct to do a bunch of different things. If you only do one thing primarily in word. So I, right. I, I get that totally with it. That clarity comes with the app. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause creatives, you know, I mean, and Todd Henry, a friend of mine talks about this, you know, that you know, everyone is creative, right? Like in some way, shape or form and creatives tend to like to wander off and you know, the, 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 they need structure. Like it's funny when people say that creative types, Oh, they, 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 they shouldn't have structure. No, you need it more because it doesn't need, you don't want it to be too rigid. Like you don't want to say, I only write, you know, uh, social media updates here, you know, like social media updates for me might be, I just put them directly into the, into the tool, uh, into whatever platform it is, but you want to have some framework in place because it, it keeps you from veering off into a direction that you don't want to go. It keeps you very, like it allows you to funnel, funnel your focus on very specific things. So, and, and I play with, it's funny, you know, as we're talking about this, uh, you know, I have tools like there's this tool called Spear, S-P-E-A-R-E, which I used to write my talk recently because you can move paragraphs around. Then there's Air Story, which is great for collaboration on content, but you can also figure out where this stuff fits here. Uh, there's Ulysses, like I said, which is what I've used for long form writing in the past. So, you know, I mean, I get everything for me when I'm coming up with ideas. It goes into a, a tool for iOS called Drafts, which is where I put all my ideas. But you could use Evernote for that. Like it's, it, ultimately, the tool doesn't matter because you can customize it and personalize it. You want a tool that's as powerful as, as you might need it to be, but as simple as you want it to be too, right? Uh, or vice versa. But I think that the key is is to know, okay, what am I writing? And, and you can't just... Pressfield's talked about this too, Stephen Pressfield. Like you just, you can't just expect the muse to show up. You have to sit down. And that's why I schedule those hor that horizontal block. And I also, like I have a deep work day on Friday, which is where that's writing I consider to be deep work. So there could be a very good chance that on Friday I end up writing almost all day. And that's fine, right? So I think you want to have enough, you know, understand, hey, how much do I need to write a week to get this job done? And then and then create some parameters around that. I think that's really important because once you do that, then you've got this framework to work within and then you can start to create. I think it's important to note you're not it's not like you're switching apps uh, mid process. either. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, important to point out. Well, right. You know, and, and I think because I use a, a to do list app, you could use Asana to do whatever I use. I tend to use Asana more now for the business stuff and I'll use to do this for my personal. So for example, if I'm working uh, uh, for NaNoWriMo, uh, I'm working on a book that I, that, that, uh, that I was going to do last year. So in 2017, but I didn't get a chance to, I already know what it's called. I have a general idea of what I want it to be about. Um, that will be in Todoist. In fact, there's already a project there. So I'm dumping things. And that's another thing is that if you know that you're going to write something like and you know you want to be like create a project already for it in, in your task app or in, in, in a paper planner or whatever and start dumping those ideas in there now. Um, obviously, with NaNoWriMo, you don't want to start writing it, but you can outline. You could do things like that. That's that's you're not breaking the rules when you do that. But 
That way, and, and so what I'll do is I have, you can use tags inside of these productivity apps. So for example, I have a tag that says spear. I have a tag that's that's air story. I have, so I have tags for the very specific writing up. So it's like write blog post. Well, the tag is air story. Or write work on talk. The tag is spear, right? So you could create tags. So that way your brain knows where to go. And then I can do all the things in spear at once. I could do all the things in air story at once. I could do batching all the things. Batching your work. In, yeah. Right. Well, sure. not just batching the work, but batching the, um, yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, bundling the context together. within that. Yeah. App. Yeah. Yeah. Saying, you know, what, I'm going to be in Evernote right now. What else can I do in Evernote? I'm going to be in spear. What are all the things that, and then you give yourself that choice without having too much choice. Because when you have too much choice, then you get that whole analysis paralysis thing going on. Uh, the, the idea of over choice where you just don't do anything. And and this is an interesting thing to consider too. If you are struggling with this, and I know that's why you're, you know, why you're, one of the things, it's, it's a challenge, which is part of the reason why you're probably here, is uh, over choice is a phenomenon that was brought up by Alvin Toffler in this book called Future Shock, written in 1971. And it's a really interesting book. Actually, it turns out he didn't actually write it. I think his wife ghost wrote it. But in the early 70s, I don't think they, there was concern that a woman wouldn't have been taken seriously. And he, he was a guy that had all these ideas. And she actually compiled them into something readable. But one of the things he talked about was overchoice. And overchoice is the same thing as you know decision fatigue. You have too many choices. But what overchoice doesn't affect is it doesn't affect another person. So, for example, if you say... I don't know what to do. Like, you're, you, let's say you go into a, a Walmart and you're going to go buy, I don't know, um, cereal. Okay. You see all the choices, right? Then mm -hmm. you're going to have a hard time picking. But if you go, if your partner sends you with go buy Cheerios, mm -hmm. the overchoice is eliminated, right? If As soon as you have an outside source. So that what I'm saying here is this is why I like having an editor or a writing coach or somebody to mentor you because they don't get caught up with your overchoice. They have their own overchoice to deal with, but that's not your concern. So it's not your concern in that point in time. So I think that that what you could do is by creating these tags, it's really you're you're creating the past self and your current self. So the past self isn't affected by your current overchoice. So if you're like, oh, I want to write whatever, well, I'm going into Spear. Okay, well, let's look at all the things that are in Spear. So that person that was in the past that said we should set up a tag for sphere so you can go in and or we're going to set up a tag for word or we're going to set up, like when you go in there then you then you're very deliberate about what you do in there it's why you should have tags for pretty much anything have a tag for email have a tag for phone calls have a tag. like these are modalities that you need to be in and for any throughout your life like there's going to be these modalities will never you're always going to have email you're always going to have phone calls and if you're a writer you're always going to write and writing is a great modality, but if you could subset that by saying, I'm going to do, I'm going into writing mode right now. Okay, great. Well, what kind of writing do I want to do? I want to write my novel. Okay, well, where do I write my novel? Oh, I write it in Word. Okay, let me look at all the things I can do while I'm in Word. So it gets you into that state of flow, which, which you know, you ultimately want to be in because when you're in flow, time just goes by without you. It, it, it stands still and goes by at the exact same time. Right. Now, I have to bring this up to you, especially as a productivity specialist. This has to kind of uh, hit home close to you here. I, I read in a recent article that 36% of writers are binge writers, meaning they don't have that habit. They don't have that, you know, routine in place. It's like, you know, once a week they might 
binge on a Saturday or they might, you know, binge at, you know, during lunch on a Wednesday. And there's just, it's, I, I, I'm assuming from this article that it's pretty random and it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I've got something to say. I'm going to do it. And I think a lot of that too, obviously is personal situation, kids, you know, where you are in life with your job, your hours and all that, all those obligations. But how would you, how can you encourage someone who, who says, Hey, I'm a binge writer. I fall into this. It's hard to get a real right you know hab- regular habit in place so number one um i'll again go back to stephen pressfield he says do you want to be a pro or do you want to be an amateur amateur writers don't have a routine amateur writers just if you're a binge writer uh then you're leaning towards being an amateur because you don't have again like i said the, and this is coming right from you know the war of art and turning pro and all the stuff that stephen pressfield's written uh this idea that the muse, you you can't just wait for the muse to show up. You have to go and be there. Like you can't, you have to be there, right? You have to be there. So you you pick a time and you say, I'm going to go do that. Now, there's, I would suggest that again, why I've I've had to adjust my routine and rituals over the year based on need, based on the evolution of my body clock, all that stuff. You you should do the same. But the thing that's helped me the most is this idea of journaling, chronicling, like journaling every day, because what happens is, is then you get to see some insights like I didn't write today. Why? You know, da, 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 da. Or I did write today. And man, I wrote from like one to three p.m. And maybe that's what happens. Maybe you are a weekend writer. Well, then put a boundary in place that says, hey, from one to four every Saturday, I'm going to sit and write like randomness will if the other great thing is is i'll give you a really good example and you don't know this because we haven't but i'm working on my book time crafting right now and while i was sitting watching a movie i was actually lying down watching a movie i had a great idea for my next book already and this is what happens to i think most people oh man here's my great idea let me start writing it right now i just got to write it and i said no I'm going to write down the ideas that I have into drafts. So I did. I wrote some bullet points and then I let it go. I put it into my to-do list app where it needs to be so that when I'm ready to look at it and I actually put a, a, a date when I want it to have my attention again. And I think that's where dates matter. I don't think you want to have due dates, but you want to have dates where it's like I want this to come back to the forefront. So, right. So when my book comes out, when, when, when my either – I think I've got it set to come back, and I couldn't tell you offhand, but I think I've got it set to come back once the first draft is done of time crafting. So if we're recording it, so that book, because I'm going to write a proposal for this one, because this is one that I think would be one that I I don't want to self-publish. I'd want to get a publishing deal for. Um, and you you and I have worked together before, and you know, and I mean, again, as a guy who wrote sketch comedy, where it's like very timely. Like there's the I wrote sketches about like airlines going out of business and we would perform it that week. We were doing like weekly comedy shows back when I so you had to like like SNL style only way 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 worse way way worse than SNL obviously Um, because you know we weren't we weren't necessarily pros but you know again we did a show every Saturday so the job had to get done so that that to me was like that built consistency if you if you. You could set yourself parameters like I need to write a certain word count by the end of the week. So therefore, I need to set aside some particular times. And you don't have to. Here's the thing. You don't have to say I need to make it daily. You could make it weekly. You could say like 
you could call it writing weekend where it's, you know, the, or the witching hour, writing witching hour, where it's like, you know, I'm going to write it like, but you need to have something, some semblance of a framework in place because the randomness can happen when you have the idea. If you have this great idea that you want to flesh out, and, and again, a great way to do this is instead of writing it out, grab your voice recorder and dictate it or use a tool where you can dictate it. Get it out of your head quickly and be done with it. And then then go back and revisit it during your writing time, not, you know, not during a time that might not be the most appropriate. So I think that that the difference here is is when you journal, you're going to get to see the patterns because it's probably not as random as you think. You know, and then when those random moments do show up, instead of diving in deep, because believe me, when I had that idea, I think it was about 1145 or something like that at night. If I started writing at that point in time, if I started to put the book proposal together, I would have been up till three in the morning. Like, there's no question I would have been. And, you know, that wouldn't have been good for me the next day and the next day and the next day. So that that to me is important. Uh, You know, journaling is the first habit you can build because it's writing. You know, like, hey, and, and it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be at night either. It could be first thing in the morning. It could be both. Um, maybe at night you're going to chronicle your day and in the morning you're going to, you know, project your day like, it, you know, either or 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 vice versa. It doesn't really matter. But the point is, once you build that habit, then you'll see, hey, I can build a regular writing habit and then, you know, start to say, hey, every weekend, especially if you've got like a nine to five job, that might be the only time you can do it. But you may have family. So then you have to say, okay, well, am I more, should I do this before my family gets up or should I do it when they go to bed? Like, like step back. And again, if your intention is to be a writer, how are you going to pay attention to that? Uh, If, because you're in, I've always said that intention without attention is powerless and attention without intention is aimless. So, you know, if you're writing randomly, you're really paying attention to something when your intention at that point in time might not be that, you know, in, in that moment. So it's kind of aimless um, because when are you going to get back to the writing again? What if you write this Thursday and then like three weeks you're like, oh, I've got another. No, you've got to cultivate that. Uh, you know, you've got to build that up. Yeah, especially um, when you're looking at finishing. It doesn't get easier. It actually can get harder when you're getting close to that finish line because you're you're tired and perfectionism might kick in and you know there's always the rewrites and revision. Uh, it's I think in some t- in some cases if you don't have that intentionality, it, it might be one of those books. You know, remember uh, Guns and Roses for ages they had that Chinese democracy. It's like is yep. it coming out? Is it not coming out? It's been years. They keep talking about it. And yeah, as and writers, I, you know, yeah. we have to step up to the plate and finish. Well, and one of the lessons I've learned and, and you know, I've learned it this year is don't talk about what you're writing until it's written. So or don't talk about it publicly. So I've made the mistake several times over. I'm like, I'm working on this. And then it doesn't get done at at the pace that I'd like it to get done. Um, it's better to talk about it once that first draft's done. Once that met, because then you've built, you've created something, you know, um, it's like the difference between buying a plot of land and saying, I own that land versus saying, I'm going to build a house on, I bought this land. I'm going to, the house will be ready in three years, like do it in stages. So if you've written the first draft, then say, because that's when it, like you said, it's going to get harder as once you're 
like once you've gotten through that first initial phase, right? Once once you've announced it, then it's going to be you've got other people that are going to help you along the way, the people that are waiting for you to do this, the people that are and what you could do. And this is what I'm doing. What I've done with um, with time crafting is um, I got a message from a guy on LinkedIn who heard me on a podcast and said, oh, I love your ideas. And I said, great. I'm working on a book on it right now. Would you like me to let you know when it's available? He goes, oh, absolutely. Now, I'm going to put together a landing page on my website that says, hey, I'm working on this book, but I'm not going to put that together until, you know, the book is actually I've got a good copy of it. Like I have to have a first draft done so I could say what the book's going to be about. Right. And or I have to at least have the outline to the point where we know what it's going to be about. And then I could put at the bottom. Do you want to get updates on the book? Enter your email and stuff. And then you've got this accountability built in. But I don't think I think the danger is people go they announce their intention right away. Like they go, oh, I'm going to write this book and then or I'm going to NaNoWriMo is tricky like that. Right. Because you're basically declaring it. You're declaring it right up front. Mind you, again, NaNoWriMo, you're really just writing a first draft. It's not like you're right. You're not writing, though, but you want to finish that first draft. You want to. So I think that there is you might want to tell some close friends um maybe some people that aren't going to be on social i don't know um but i think that or maybe just a select group of people if you've got an email list maybe you let them know right but don't announce it on social media don't because i think the the danger is the more the more you talk about it like all talk no action it it hurts integrity it hurts your character and believe me, I've, I've been down this road and I, I, you know, I'm currently, you know, working my way through it with another aspect of my business right now. So I think that that you want to make sure that once you have the habits in place, then you can you can do exactly what you can. You can literally get move the ball from point A to point B. Right. You can get that writing done. But once you've got the draft done, then you can say, hey, look, I've written my first draft. Like the first thing you could easily share is. Maybe a, a shot of your word count or, or or the printed manuscript of the first draft, say, I've written. The, then it's like, oh, it's an actual thing. And I'll give you a, a final example about this is when I was doing screenwriting, uh, my buddy and I, we had this this pitch that we were putting together. And we went to the screenwriting. There's often these pitch sessions where you can go and a whole bunch of producers are there. And we went there with a log line and a pitch. And the guy goes, where's the script? And we said, well, you know, we got this. He goes, I can't sell an idea. I can't buy an idea. I need a script. Like if you had a script and it's true, like you show up with a log line, you show like it's, you know, it, it's why businesses, if you say, hey, here's my idea. If you have no, no credibility, no reputation, like there's, you know, I mean, if you get a book deal the on spec, like the first book deal you'll get, you have to literally, I mean, fiction writers have to write the whole book. Right. It very rarely do you get a book deal without having a book written like that's You have to actually have the full book written. And even a nonfiction writer has to write a book proposal. Uh, and then if that book does well, then you can say, here's my next book. It's this idea. And you might get accepted just based on that alone, but not the first one. And certainly, <laughs> certainly not as a fiction writer, you're not going to get on the first one. You have to you have to show them that you can do it. And, you ha and it has to prove to be successful, um, whatever that version of success is. So, yeah, I would I would probably going forward. And I mean, again, I'm human. I could use that same advice. I mean, I'm often saying the things I need to know myself is don't share it till you have something to share. Right. That's good. 
That's good. Yeah, that's great. Any any last brief words of encouragement for, you know, those writers that got that hard drive and that file sitting there right on that hard drive? What would you tell them? So I would say that, um, you know, it's the the life of a writer is very rewarding and it's not something that you're going to probably retire from. You might slow down like you identify as it. Right. Like everything I look at, uh, I look at through the lens of the type of writing that I do. So the novel I'm working on for NaNoWriMo has a lot of superhero elements and, and I have a lot of superhero stuff in my office. Uh, the writing, whenever I write for time management, well, here's a great example. I mean, I just thought like that Avengers movie that it had a Thanos, your to-do list, right? Like that, that is something that I'm going to, I look at it through that lens. Um, that, that, so don't lose sight of the fact that, you know, the thing that's there is, is part of who you are. And, and while that's tricky to give up, it's just a part and you will always, there's going to be a more of a well, uh, and as you get older and as you have more experience, you're going to get better. And then I guess the other thing is, is again, sharpen that saw, like, write Like it, it, regardless of whether you work on the book that day or whatever, write something, write in your journal, write in, you know, do something like that because that that leads to that leads to action. You are living as a writer when you do that. You know, you if you write in a journal every day, you are a writer, you know. Um, so I think that those are the big things to take. And, and remember, no one's an overnight success. I mean, Gary, I watched the Gary Shandling documentary. Who He's a guy who wrote in journals for 40 years. And one of the headlines of his uh, of one of the, the newspaper articles on him was Gary Shandling, a 14 year overnight success story. <laughs> so think about that. Like, think about the J.K. Rowling's. Think about the, the Gary Shandling's. Think about, you know, the guys that. You know, the people that Rodney Dangerfield wasn't known until, you know, he was in his 50s. Right. Like it's never it's never too late, you know, until uh, unless you decide that it's too late. That's a great point. That's fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Mike. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jim. Really appreciate it. I hope that I hope that was helpful to people. Thanks for listening to the Finish Your Book podcast. If you'd like some help with your book. Whether you're starting or finishing or no matter where you are right now, you can go to storycrafting.net slash finish. Thank you for listening and I'll see you 